Hello and welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and today we're going to talk about the ludic fallacy. Um, and I don't know if it's a cognitive bias, strictly speaking, and it kind of only appears in one book, or was really originated in this one book called The Black Swan, which um, I will admit I have not read yet, but uh, I am uh, very curious to. But uh, basically, um, Nicholas Taleb, who wrote The Black Swan, kind of coins this term, uh, ludic fallacy, um, where the term ludic kind of comes from a root word having to do with like games of chance. And his whole premise with this fallacy is that you can't use statistical models to model a really messy situation like things that happen in real life, right? And so the reason you'll get unpredictable things or black swans, right, is the way he kind of phrases it, like, you know, uh, 9-11 or the invention of the automobile, um, is because, you know, no matter, no matter how good your statistical model, it can't take into account all the just variables that real life has. So it's not chaos theory per se, but it's a lot of the same roots, right? This idea that, you know, one little um, thing uh, can have an outsized effect. So the butterfly effect, you know, a butterfly flaps its wings in Peking, and in Kansas, you get a tornado instead of sunshine, right? That there is some causality there, but there's no way you can predict it. There's no way you can tie all that together. So if you can't account for one butterfly in your statistical model, like, how are you going to account for all of the other things that are going on? So... Where he kind of posits that statistical models make sense is in, like, let's say, a casino. And we've been talking a lot about casinos this season because a lot of these fallacies are around probability and being bad at understanding probability. And in a way, this is kind of depressing because a lot of those probability fallacies are about how bad you are at understanding how probability really works. What this fallacy kind of says is that even if you get how probability really works, you're still ill-equipped for the real world because there are situations where even a deep understanding of probability won't kind of get you what you need. And so the example he points to is, you know, we talked a lot about this notion if you were to flip a coin like, you know, 99 times and every time it's heads you know, instinctively you'll be like, oh, the next one's got to be tails, right? But probability says, no, it's still 50-50. What the, you know, Taleb is kind of saying is that, um, look, if it comes up heads 99 times, what you should really be asking yourself is, is the coin fixed, right? Is it, is it actually a legit coin or is it weighted, right? Like that would be, you know, the true Occam's razor of all this would be to say, hey, maybe it's actually rigged, right? You kind of have to take a step back because the real world isn't this perfect statistical model. Um, and I think that's a really interesting take on all of this because I have been kind of emphasizing how we're not good at rational thought. But it's important to note that rational thought, right, might not always serve you in a real-world situation. Or, better yet, just thinking about how one particular type of math works, which is really what we're saying here when we say you're bad at probability, um, isn't sufficient to, like, navigate the real world. Um, So... What I think both things are kind of pointing toward, though, is this notion that you can't know everything, right? There's no way to make um, a a decision that's based on all of the information available. Um, And that's part of the reason cognitive biases exist, is because you can't possibly know all of the information. And even if you could, you couldn't process it all in time to make a quality decision, especially given how many decisions you have to make in a day. So where the... um, Ludic fallacy is basically saying you can't know all the information that you would need to know to make a perfect statistical model. Um, uh, you also can't know all the information to create a perfect shortcut. <laughs> so it's sort of like, no matter what, you're kind of screwed. But um, uh, another thing that um, ludic fallacy kind of points out is that if you just try to base your model on past performance, um, you're not taking into account just shit that's never happened before, right? Like... 
um, stuff that just, you know, there is no precedent for. And I hate to always bring up this example, but the Trump election was something that a lot of time and, and hope was invested in statistical models to kind of um, predict who was going to win that election. Um, and I don't know if I'd go so far as to call Trump's um, election a black swan, but it certainly appeared that way, right? Especially to um, a lot of the pollsters and statisticians trying to work out, okay, who's going to win this election? Um, and again, something like him hadn't really happened before in quite the context that we'd had at that point. So um, it was the, the, the statistical models just couldn't account for that. Um, so the moral of the story, at least to some extent, <laughs> is to say, okay, when things seem statistically weird, statistically significant, when, when, when stuff seems off, it is probably is a good time not just to sort of question, you know, um, oh, it's been tails 50 times, not next it's got to be heads. Like, that's not necessarily the right reaction there, right? It's more to say, well, wait, let me take a step back here and just question the whole premise altogether, right? What am I assuming here? That might be off. Like, am I assuming that the game is not rigged when maybe it actually is, right? Um, so it's not to say that all of these other probability fallacies are invalid. They completely are. But there's even a bigger context around them. Of, okay, well, let's first, before I try to apply real probability and real, you know, rationality, let me make sure I'm actually know what game we're really playing here, right? Let me make sure I know what the reality of the situation actually is, um, which is hard. Um, another interesting like take on this is the idea that people who are really good at something, right, in an academic setting, might be terrible at it in the real world. So one example might be someone who's really good at martial arts, um, and like wins, like someone who wins a martial arts competition. You might want to bet on them to win a street fight, right, hands down. But the thing you might not notice is. They won that competition in part because they trained for the rules of that competition, right? So they're not expecting someone to come at them uh, and, you know, kick them in the groin, which is against the rules, right? Like, they're they're not going to sweep the leg, right? It's against the rules. If they get into a street fight, all bets are off, so they might actually get their ass kicked, right? You don't know. <laughs> Even though they're the, one of the best fighters in the world when it comes to a competition that has rules, the second you remove, right, that's perfect platonic statistical model, right, that perfect mathematic world, and put them into a situation where there are so many other variables, um, the, the, the bets are off. So uh, just something to keep in mind when you're thinking about context around these things. And it's, it's important, too, because I talk a lot about psychological theories and things that are based on tests that happen in controlled environments. It's important to remember these are things that don't really carry much weight unless they actually apply in the real world. So we have to keep that frame on it, too. Um, anyway, that is all for this week. I will say that I am going to be at um, UX Copenhagen, which is a conference coming up in Copenhagen. So all of my uh, fans in that part of the world, um, and there are some. I'm looking at the statistics, right, on like SoundCloud. And it's like, oh, people are listening. Awesome. Um, I'm going to be at UX Copenhagen, which takes place on February 27th and 28th. I will be in Copenhagen speaking at that. And shout out to Helle Martins for um, inviting me. Very much appreciate it. Shout out to Saskia Vettler, whose podcast got me on the radar of UX Copenhagen. Um, thanks again for that as well. So uh, hopefully I will see you there in a few weeks. Um, and either way, uh, that is all for this week. Uh, for the Cognitive Bias Podcast, I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas. I'll see you next time.